Definitively Speaking is a definitive healthcare podcast series recorded and produced in Framingham, Massachusetts. To learn more about healthcare commercial intelligence, please visit us at definitivehc.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Definitively Speaking, the podcast where we have data-driven conversations on the current state of healthcare. I'm Justin Steinman, Chief Marketing Officer here at Definitive Healthcare and your host for this podcast. Before I get started on today's episode, a quick programming note. At the end of our last podcast episode, I promised that we'd have Dr. Samir Barry on the next episode. However, life intervened and our producer here at Definitive Speaking had a back injury. So that forced us to move some things around and postpone Dr. Barry to a future episode. But don't worry, he's coming soon, and we've got a fantastic episode for you today. There are more than 1,700 independent mid-sized physician groups in the United States. Together, these groups employ nearly 53,000 doctors and treat more than 15 million patients annually. Yet for some reason, we don't talk enough about what their lives are like and what challenges their practices are facing. So today, we're going to do our small part here on Definitively Speaking to change that. I'm joined today by Blake Wiley, the Chief Technology Officer at Montecito Medical. Originally conceived as a real estate advisory firm, Montecito Medical has expanded to providing a full range of value-added services like coding and recruiting to mid-sized physician groups. In fact, their credo is, physicians take care of everyone, Montecito takes care of physicians. We'll talk about what that means in a moment. As the CTO, Blake is responsible for all aspects of technology from infrastructure to applications to product development. And while he's here today to talk about mid-sized physician groups, I'd frankly prefer to talk about his last job, where he worked in IT for Lippmann Brothers, Tennessee's oldest distributor of wine, spirits, and craft beer. But I think that's probably more appropriate for a different podcast. Perhaps we'll do one called Definitively Speaking after 5 p.m. Anyways, Blake, welcome to Definitively Speaking. We're happy to have you here. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So there's so much to talk about in this space, Blake. Just for the sake of clarity for our listeners, we're defining a mid-sized physician group as one that employs anywhere between 20 to 50 physicians. Do you agree with that kind of general sizing for a mid-sized physician group? I believe so. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, right? We've been dealing with physician groups of that size for 18 years almost at this point. And we've been hearing, you know, a lot of just their needs and their concerns and how they operate their business. And we've been working with them on solving some of their problems. And that that range makes complete sense. Right. And so what are some of those main challenges facing these groups? You say you got 18 years of experience, you must have encountered a lot of problems that they're, that they're facing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we started out and we still operate heavily in the real estate side. Right? We've been looking at working with them on acquiring medical office buildings, putting them into portfolios. But you know, in that process, we were really focusing on the physicians themselves a lot of times. And it would be allowing them to reinvest back into the real estate that they previously owned and being able to do that tax deferred. And then just working with them on a regular basis, we find out, hey, I have an issue and whatever it is, we've got issues in recruiting physicians coming to whatever mid-sized practice group uh, that they're you know recruiting for, or they've got issues in people not showing up for their appointments on a regular basis, They, which again, these are issues that just are happening across the entire industry of healthcare or coding or or whatever else it is, just being able to operate more efficiently. And that's where we really started to work with these practice groups and become their outsourced innovation, right? They come to us, they have problems, 
And we start to look at opportunities, not only with them, but other groups and determine, hey, is this something that could be useful for physicians? And can we build it? Can we can we go out and buy something that would that would help them? Or do we need to just incubate our own company and start it from scratch to be able to meet those needs? And that's what we've been doing. Interesting. Interesting. I have to be honest, it's kind of interesting that they're going to a real estate company to do this, right? I mean, you started as a real estate company. I mean, recruiting is a common problem in every industry. I've got recruiting problems here in marketing at Definitive Healthcare. Can't find the people I need, right? Uh, And there's staffing firms out there. There's professional recruiting firms. There's software. Why you guys? Right. Well, I think we were finding ourselves uniquely positioned in the real estate side, and we continue to do so. We're just working with these groups and they they come to us, they trust us, and it's and we just see these needs and we're we're an innovative company, right? We we see ourselves as innovative and we are. And we started to look at these opportunities as opportunities not only for us, but for the physicians themselves. And it goes along with our credo, um, which is to take care of the physicians as well. So we looked at investing in a company that would specifically to the recruitment side that would uh, utilize AI essentially to build a a platform to recruit physicians. So building out the relationships between physicians, and it's an application that's out there today. It's actually being implemented in many companies. It's called Winnow. And that application is a game changer in a lot of ways from a physician recruitment perspective. And it utilizes AI. I mean, we hear a lot about that, right? Yeah, I mean, AI, I feel like you can't open up the newspaper, turn on the TV, or turn on the radio even without hearing about AI. Uh, and so you're now bringing AI into recruiting. Interesting. Uh, do you think there are kind of unique needs of these mid-sized groups that are different than like the large IDNs or even the small one, two doctor practice? Well, a lot of times it is, is they're the same problems, right? Just that the mid-sized practices a lot of times don't have access to a lot of the resources and capital that a larger group or system would have. So we provide innovative solutions and we allow them to to take part sometimes even in building out these solutions, right? So they're they're alongside of us with a lot of times we're finding a partner to work with us to develop these solutions and provide the expertise and also take part in in the process of building that. So you mentioned coding, right? How are you helping with coding? And again, I mean, coding is a massive problem. And again, there are agencies and companies that are doing this. What's kind of your unique value prop or are these mid-sized groups struggling with a different set of problems? Help me understand what's going on there. Well, we I was talking about earlier where we either incubate our own companies, we invest in companies and start them up, or we acquire a company. This is one where we actually acquired a company and it's really starting it up and pushing it forward. And it's utilizing machine learning and AI for coding purposes, E&M level coding. This is where, you know, the physicians are coming in, they're doing their own charts, or maybe they're outsourcing it to other companies that are doing the the coding for them. But we recently utilized the software to run just a just a test on several charts from a physician group we're working with out west. They we found that 27% of the charts that were coded were either underbilled, overbilled, or just incomplete. And I mean, really, this is not the physician's fault. I mean, they're, they're, you know, the, you know, the coding changes happen at the beginning of the year. They're trying to play catch up to that. Um, there's just, you know, they're busy. They're experts in medicine, right? And they need to be experts in medicine and focus on the patients. 
we don't really expect them to be experts in coding as well. And that's really difficult. But we, you know, what we do with this application is called Calm Waters AI. And we're really pushing it out there. It integrates with the EMRs, Epic, Athena. And it codes the charts for the physicians. And it does it in a way that is defensible and it's audit proof. It's an it creates an audit trail, a paper audit trail, so that when these get sent to the payers, that they'll be paid and they're defensible from an audit perspective as well. I mean, this takes again an efficiency and it helps the physician groups, especially these mid-sized groups, become more efficient. They can scale, they can be relevant, more, more competitive in their in their regions that they're focusing on. But I mean, these are things that every physician group, not just mid-sized, are, are struggling with. And these are solutions that were, you know, we started out really focusing on these mid-sized groups, but these are still applicable to large systems and large health groups. So um, this is something that we're pushing out to everyone at this point, but starting with that focus on the midsize. Yeah, but you had to imagine that a large IDN, you know, has a whole billing department, right? Yes, if you've got right. thousands of doctors, it makes sense to create economies of scale and have, you know, send all your billing and all your coding. And there are people who, your whole profession is coding. You know, when I think about a midsize surgery, if you've got 20 doctors, you know, what's your ratio to surrounding staff? It can't be very high. Right. And so I think that's why you start thinking about outsourcing and looking for other needs as you start to go there. And your other yes, services. absolutely. And going back to the AI discussion, we are seeing this a lot in the news. And there's a lot of discussion around and even fear around AI and machine learning and how it's applied within companies. And, I, you know, it's not something that I see as something we should fear. Even for a large group that maybe have outsourced their coding, there's efficiencies you can build in utilizing machine learning and a coding software like Calm Waters because it will build the efficiency. So, you know, you're struggling to find coders, you're struggling to have charts coded in a way that's defensible from an audit perspective. No matter who's doing it, let's let the machine also do some of that and come alongside your existing coders and really augment them and enhance them so that they can focus on, you know, the, the, the exceptions, not the rule, right? It allows them to get rid of the really the menial tasks that that take up an every day and take up the majority of someone's day so they can, like I said, really focus on those exceptions. And that makes them more efficient across the board. Yeah, I saw an article in The New York Times having something very similar recently about radiology and they're training machine learning to recognize routine breast cancer. And so that the exceptions are simply being read by the radiologist, but the baseline cases are being read by the machines and they're identifying the anomalies, which is kind of interesting. Absolutely. And that think about the time savings and the focus that the physicians can have. And again, we already have a shortage of physicians, it seems like, right? Let's make them more efficient so that they can focus on those, the needs, right? Yeah. Well, as regular listeners of this podcast, there's no, no, there's no, it seems like there is a shortage of physicians. We know there's a shortage of physicians in this country right now, and it's not getting any better anytime soon. So that's something that's there. I will take issue though with your comment that artificial intelligence isn't scary. I don't know. I keep seeing about all the chat GPT stuff and the article, you know, that told the New York Times columnist to leave his wife and marry, you know, chat GPT. Like, I don't know. That stuff kind of scares me. And I feel like we're two steps away from the Terminator. I mean, maybe. I mean, Skynet. Skynet could be real. You never know. I mean, I'm, I'll I'll sign up for the machines uh, when that happens. So. <laughs> <laughs> Skynet is coming. I think sooner than we all think. So uh, I want to come back. You know, as I was preparing for this podcast today, you know, I, I started doing research and having you talk to me. I thought you're almost like Montecito is a like Japanese karitsu model, right? And so for our friends out there listening who don't know what uh, a karitsu is, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but I'll do the best I can. 
According to our friends at Investopedia, a karitsu is a Japanese term referring to a business network made up of different companies, including manufacturers, supply chain partners, distributors, and even financing. These companies work together, have close relationships, and sometimes take equity stakes in each other, all while remaining operationally independent. Translated literally, karitsu means headless combine. And so as I listened to you talk about your company, it was almost like you're applying the karitsu philosophy to the mid-sized physician group. Would you agree with that statement? I would absolutely agree with that. We, we, we consider ourselves a platform company. I mean, we're solving problems across the board, not just from a real estate perspective, but right down to the business models within practice groups. And I mean, we, we read a book internally. We read a lot of books internally. And I think that every company should really have a keen eye on looking out for opportunities to bring information externally into the company, whether it's, you know, book club or whatever else, right? That may sound cheesy, but, it, you know, having a list of books that you read, one of the books we read was uh, Platform Revolution. And we really took that concept to heart of building out a platform that's not just focused on one core thing, but multiple things that we can go out to the market with. And each one is its own independent, almost operating unit, but all fall under the platform or a parent sort of mm -hmm. umbrella, if you will. So you seem to know a lot about these mid-sized physician groups. And I, it's really interesting that you've developed so much knowledge about them and you've built this platform and it seems very extensible. I'm definitely going to go read Platform Revolution. Uh, I'll add to my reading list and my internal book club here. So that's great. Thank you. So what's next? What other problems are you seeing for these mid-sized physician groups and, and how are you planning to attack them or provide new services? Right. Yeah. Again, going back, we do hear, I mean, they, they come to us, they, they, we work with them to provide solutions. And one of those solutions specifically, and this goes back to the real estate side, is building out and, and identifying opportunities in their own marketplaces to expand. They don't have the access to the resources, like I was saying earlier, uh, like a big, large health system or hospital system. So, if they want to expand or grow their business, they kind of have an idea usually of where they want to go in that marketplace, but they really don't have the data to back that feeling up. We've actually built out into our app, one of our applications that we use internally, it's called Scout Insight. And we utilize data from healthcare data to census data, demographic information, all that, and bring it all together to help make decisions to grow their business out in that marketplace. We can identify all the way down to a parcel level of where they should be expanding to. And then we could put that into a report and we do put it in a report and show them. And we say, this is where you should go. These are the areas of opportunity in your marketplace. And by the way, there may be another opportunity on the other side of town that you weren't thinking about as well, because there are no competitors over there. And the demographics and the healthcare needs of this area are gonna be matching what you provide to the marketplace. So it's really expanding not only the physician groups and helping the physician groups, it's also helping provide healthcare to areas that are currently underserved, right? Mm -hmm. So utilizing it again, data, machine learning, and AI to bring to bear to help make those decisions and help those groups. That's awesome. That's really cool. I like the, the health equity angle of it, really trying to get to underserved areas. That's kind of nice. So Let's talk about another area. Uh, you know, we recently published a paper here at Definitive Healthcare on remote patient monitoring, RPM. Our research showed that, you know, RPM procedures make up nearly 13, are up 1,300% 1 since 2019. That's 1,300%. And yet only a quarter of providers are using RPM technology actively. 
in your opinion, how can we accelerate RPM, right? What benefits is there for RPM for mid-sized physician groups? Absolutely. I think RPM is very important at this point in time. And, you know, when we're talking about value-based care, all of that, we actually invested in a company. It's called Medical Brain. And really, you when you're doing looking at an RPM solution, you really want to have something that where the technology is easy to use for the patients. They're not afraid to use it. And Medical Brain, we found, really provides that solution and answers those issues or concerns that a patient or even a physician would have. So this is another one, again, AI, machine learning, going back to uh, even chat GPT, right? This is a, a solution that will actually converse with a patient in real time. It's actually asking them questions that are relevant to their need at that point in time. And it's identifying if there's a concern or an issue that needs to be escalated immediately to a physician. This is going back to build making physicians more efficient as well. Because if there is a patient out there that is being remotely monitored and there's not an issue that's occurring, they're fine, they're normal, they may have some questions, this solution can actually answer those questions so it doesn't have to be escalated to the physician. But if there is an immediate concern, this solution can immediately detect what that problem is and escalate it to the physician immediately. That way the physician can focus on the critical needs and not the ones that are not critical at that point in time, right? So again, building efficiencies and making it to where the physician can spend more time seeing patients that have a need and it's taking care of everything else. Yeah, but it's interesting because a lot of times in these mid-sized physician groups, these are basically small business owners, right? I mean, 20, 30, 40 employees. You know, you work at Mass General Hospital here in Massachusetts, IDEA, and they have a whole innovation department. They've got 50 people responsible for finding innovation and sorting through all these RPM solutions and finding the two or three winners that are out there most relevant. If you're a mid-sized physician group, how do you find how do you get started with this? How do you figure out this? You type RPM into Google, good luck. You're going to get like 9,000 entries. How do you start to figure out where to start and how to get going? I mean, that's a good question. This is where we come in and we offer, you know, you're talking about innovation departments. This is where, again, we're the outsourced innovation for these groups. And we help identify these solutions and we see their problems and we bring them to them and offer them up. And these are solutions that are easy for them to implement. They're easy for them to use, and they will build those efficiencies in with these solutions. So that's where we bring our expertise to bear and work with the groups that we have been working with for years and continue to identify new groups to work with as well. Yeah, it really seems like you're kind of that strategic advisor to these mid-sized physician groups. And, you know, I think it is a nice market, as we've talked about, you know, 1,700 practices, 15 million patients a year. That's important. Uh, and again, I think, you know, we almost take that for granted. People kind of romanticize, you know, the one doc shop, you know, showing up at somebody's house doing house calls with their old medical bag. And then they think about the big, massive hospital systems, the HCAs, you know, the, as I said, mass generals here in Boston. And I think sometimes we forget about this small group, as I really think plays a critical role in our healthcare system. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. So then let's, last question here before I let you go, right? And let's talk about the future of these mid-sized groups, right? We've all read that doctors are leaving the workforce in droves. They're retiring. They're changing careers. They're, you know, going to become chief medical officers at software companies. They're going and, you know, doing all sorts of different stuff. Our research shows that less than 7% of graduating MDs are choosing to, cho choosing to join these mid-sized practices. So 
Is that enough, you think, to keep this mid-sized physician market healthy? Do we think the economics work still for mid-sized physician groups? Or do you think we're really going to kind of see, like a lot of things in other industries, the, the middle market almost kind of disappear? Right. I'm going to answer this in a way that you may not hear many people say that might be on your podcast. And I'm going to say, I don't know. Okay. And, but I will say the one thing I do know is that we're still going to be there helping these groups solve those problems, right? We're going to help them solve their problems with them. So no matter what the market is looking like in the future, from that perspective, we're going to be there and we're going to be bringing technology to bear. And that's what my role is, is to identify these solutions and really help these groups that might be struggling. And, you know, we don't know what they're going to be looking like in the future, but we're going to be right there with them. Yeah. So I'll let my bias show through and tell you that, A, I go to a doctor who's in a mid-sized physician group. Uh, and B, when I did some quick math, they're treating 15 million patients out of roughly 330 million people in the United States. That's roughly 5% of the population. So if you're getting 7% of graduating MDs going in to treat 5% of the patient, the math would say that the market is actually growing and it's probably optimistic. So I'm actually bullish on this space. Uh, and then my math makes me feel better about it. So uh, I, I think this is an important market segment, one that's going to continue to grow. And I really look forward to seeing what you guys are going to do in this space to help these guys continue to grow. Yeah, we are. And we're pushing forward. And we're going to continue to push forward and offering these solutions. Like I said, we're going to be there right there with them. And we too are bullish on them. And that's why we're working with them. And we're going to continue to do so. Awesome. Well, Blake, thanks for taking time to talk with Definitively Speaking today. Really enjoyed having you here. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And for all our listeners out there, thank you for listening to Definitively Speaking, a Definitive Healthcare podcast. As I mentioned earlier, please join me next time for a conversation with Dr. Samir Barry, the Chief Medical Officer at Oshi Health. Oshi Health is a virtual multidisciplinary GI care company, and Dr. Barry is going to share some results from a recent research study they conducted. Not to spoil the show, but the research shows that the new hybrid and virtual care approaches can dramatically lower healthcare costs, ER visits, and improve the quality of GI care. Quite important research as digestive disorders affect 70 million people annually and cost the U.S. healthcare system more than $135 billion each year. I hope you'll tune in. If you like what you've heard today, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about how healthcare commercial intelligence can support your business, please follow us on Twitter at DefinitiveHC or visit us at DefinitiveHC.com. Until next time, take care, stay healthy, and watch out for Skynet.